right. We are here to discuss the Seven of Wands, and it has taken great valor on our parts and persistence, courage, and forbearance to get to the point where we could record. We're trying to do this over Skype, which is apt because this is the Lord of Valor. Hooray! Yes, the Seven of Wands. Um, Valor both in the uh, Golden Dawn system and in Crowley's system. Valor, the word... I was just looking it up before, comes from the Latin, valere, to be strong. It's cognate with value, valuable, valiant. Yeah, I've read that that uh, val prefix has a meaning of worthiness. Yeah. So it's not just courage, but, uh, you know, there's a worthiness to stand up for your, your rights or what you believe in. Yeah, it's almost like, you have to prove, uh, not just be strong, but prove that you're strong. Yeah. We've been through the, this is the final decan of Leo. We've been through the five, six, and seven, which means we've been through strife. We've been through victory. And here we are at Valor, which is interesting because I think the way that they usually kind of represent the sequence is that, you know, first this there's this, you know, kind of contention and pressure and then there's a moment of balance but then the worm kind of turns and by the time you're at the seven it's like one against everyone (laughs) yeah yeah the sevens are all difficult cards because the the element is building and then it reaches this sort of harmony and balance in the six and then all the sevens it's where it first shows the element starting to disintegrate and it's off the middle pillar on the seven. So, yeah, there's there's so much that's interesting about sevens generally. I think, even in sort of traditional cardomantic interpretations of seven, there's there's always that sort of um, well, the 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 off balance thing that all the odd cards have. You know, um, mm-hmm. that sort of trying to uh, the the ego versus the other you know, always trying to, to strive and to, um, and to prevail. Yeah. In particular, when we, um, get into the Kabbalah material, there's, there's a lot of things about seven, which are simply unique to sevens. Yeah. So should we talk more about the, um, about the actual Deccan of Leo? Um, sure. I'll start wherever you want to start. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. so much, there's a lot in this <laughs> there's one. There's so yeah. much, there's so much in this one. So, uh, third decan of Leo is August 11th to August 22. I guess what we're seeing is, you know, more of this relationship between Mars and the sun, which we've seen a little bit of before. For example, we saw it with the three of wands, the sun in Aries, where, uh, the sun was in a sign ruled by Mars, and now here we have Mars in a sign ruled by the sun. There's that quality of the relationship between these two fiery bodies and uh, and what comes from that. And then there's also the the other side of the fact that it's a seven means that it brings in a Venusian influence. So then we have the Mars-Venus um, pairing as well. Yes. Yeah, that's true. It's a, it's a pairing, but it's sort of a, an... An off-balance pairing in the sense that, you know, the planetary force of Mars is balanced with the Sephira Mm -hmm. Venus. That's right. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, 
it's not an exact match, but it's definitely there's a there's a match there. There's a yin yang. You know, so you have this sort of quality of the Mars warrior and the solar king uh, having this relationship. And yet, you know, there's the sort of destabilizing force of Venus, of, you know, of the goddess um, trying right, to the, the instinct. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to have her say in this sort of triumvirate since you know since we're talking about venus already maybe we should go right into the kabbalah this time yeah there's some interesting things there yeah you know the fact that it's a seven sevens are really interesting because there's two things going on so you have this off balance thing in this in the seven and then it's kind of corrected by or there's an attempt to correct it by what happens in the eights. So mm-hmm. the sevens are really visceral where the eights are very logical. Right. You might say. But then the sevens are they're trying to balance what happened in the five. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the other side you get the of what's the perfect harmony in the six. So they're trying to, you know so if you look at the ones the five where you had all that pressure of strife, the remedy for that is to take action and, and let that pressure out. Right. And again, that sort of reflects the sort of thing we have going on with these decans always, which in the five, six, seven sequence, the five starts at the six is the point of balance. The seven is where it's going away. So they have a symmetry, right. the five and the seven. Right. Right. And also, you know, what you're saying about the seven and the eight is interesting because, you know, the seven is the Sephira Netzach, the Sephira of Venus, which translates as, um, you know, victory, but also it's a, it's a timeless quality. It's sort of the ti- the victory that comes through endurance, through time. Yeah, I've heard it referred to as the essence of being. Yeah, and I think the Golden Dawn like to call it eternity itself. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I hadn't heard that one recently anyway that i remember and i've also seen that the 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 seven as victory there's a certain warrior nature there but it's through the venusian passion and desire yes exactly exactly so there's this um this desire to connect and it's a warrior i mean it can be a warrior quality but in the sense that the warrior seeks to assimilate or to you know absorb or to connect in that way rather than to um to cut and separate and uh and also it's interesting because if you take that idea of reaching through time in Netzach it's countered by uh the eight by Hode and Mercury this kind of uh systematize analyze dissect you know break it down into pieces um, which is kind of fundamental to the contrast between seven and eight. Right. Seven's more nonverbal and feel it. Right, right. So sometimes, yeah, sometimes exactly we, we, we contrast sevens and eight as emotions versus reason, which is just one way of looking at it. There's also that thing about sevens. There's a couple different ways to look at it. You can look at it as one against six, which it, we see in all of the different seven of wands cards we have we have sort of one wand against yep. six others but it's also four and three so like you know the the stability of the four or square with the motion of the three and you know and the kind of tension that that creates between the two right 
the even and the odd, right? The yeah. Even and the odd, yeah. Yeah, and how, which makes seven such a magical number. The fact that you need both of them, the even and the odd, to make a whole. Seven days of the week, seven colors of the rainbow, seven notes of the scale. You need it all. Okay, let's see. Um, let's see. So Kabbalah-wise, um, we were saying that the you know it's associated with the Sephira of Netzach and. Uh, interpretationally, I think, you know, Crowley in particular liked to talk about the sevens as being quite degraded, um, you know, as kind mm-hmm. of that lower triad below the six, the seven, eight, and nine, and how the energy was, you know, starting to kind of fall apart. <laughs> yeah, I think he said something about the seven as it, the seven of wands in particular, that it's energy's last gasp as it struggles desperately and maybe overcome and maybe overcome, but it's not a sure thing. Uh Right. Yeah. He he says something that I thought was funny about, uh, he he calls it the defect inherent in Mars, that patriotism is not enough. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's exactly the same quote I wrote down. Patriotism, so to speak, is not enough. The, I love that idea of the defect inherent in the idea of Mars. I mean, um, what do you think uh, what do you think he means by that defect and does every planet have such a defect Oh I think probably so every everything has its has its Achilles heel you know Mhm mhm Yeah yeah I mean I guess you know if I were to sort of imaginatively think about what the defect of Mars would be it would be sort of like you know pushing beyond reasonable limits, you know, being, you know, almost like cancerously aggressive. Yeah, uh, right. Untempered by compassion, uh, without any sort of feeling for the limits of the body. Yep. Those sorts of things. Most definitely. Yeah, he says the seven is a weak, earthy, feminine number. Okay, I have feelings about that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm a weak, earthy, feminine number, too. Uh (laughs) But, but, you know, nevertheless, I I understand what he's saying. He He says it represents a departure from the balance, and it's so low down on the tree that this implies a loss of confidence. It seems like of almost everything below the six... That's true, but the seven seems to be get the the worst of it in some ways, and I think maybe it's because it's the first departure below the six. It's where it really hits you that you've lost that perfection, perhaps. The way that's represented in the card is okay. So here you have those six uh, wands of the different adepts or adepts, um, and they're all you know fancy schmancy with their phoenix heads and lotus heads and uh yep. winged discs and then you have this like totally Blunt object <laughs> brutal club in the middle that has you know right. zero refinement <laughs> i think that's that the blunt object is a, a phallic symbol <laughs> it's the mars of the card you know <laughs> yes exactly i think the fancy the fancy ones are the leonine aspect of the card and then you got mars yeah, it's sort of like, uh, I don't know, it's like the, the warrior wanders in with a club to finish things off. It's kind of Hercules and the lion thing going yeah. on there. Brute force. Yeah, and even the uh, the 
the difference between the way the flames are depicted in the Thoth Seven of Wands and the Thoth Six of Wands, you know, and Six of Wands, they're all neatly sort of arranged as if they're on an altar or something. And here they're they're all sort of sparky and out of control. You know, the the flames in general, one of the things that the Golden Dawn did a lot is is you, you see a lot descriptions of cards and certain types of flames in the wands, certain types of clouds in the swords, you know, certain types of water in, in the cups, etc. And um the for Leo, they say the type of flames is rushing flames. So the Aries is ascending flames, Leo is rushing flames, and Sagittarius is darting flames. And you can kind of see how if you just kind of feel that on a certain level, you can picture, okay, Aries, it's the first, you know, the ascending, the first rising of the fire. And then the, the really strong fixed fire is the rushing flame. And then as it passes, is passing away, the, the Sagittarian fire is more darting flames. And you can even see that same type of thing going on in the five, six, and seven of wands where the, where the five, the flames are like bursting out strongly in every direction like an explosion almost and then in the the six they're nice and steady and like an even candle flame with no breeze you know mm-hmm. upright and beautiful and perfect and then in the seven you see they're kind of sparky and disordered and kind of chaotic it looks like an electrical fire <laughs> yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah that's true that's true so you know you have that same sort of cardinal fixed mutable pattern repeating itself both in the exactly. five six and seven and the aries leo and sagittarius generally yeah, yeah and the thoth deck it's especially apparent in all the wands cards that they they were he and frida and crowley were definitely trying to convey something through the types of flames in each card yeah there's there's definitely a quality of kind of uh being out of control and sputtering and flickering and but the, the interesting thing is that you know uh Crowley really emphasized the difficulty of the card, but Waite did not. And in the um, in his Seven of Wands, you have the um, the guy in the green shirt, and he's standing up against the Six Wands. But what Waite says, oh yes, he's he says Six attacking one who has the vantage position. So, you know, his idea was that this was an indication of possible success because, you know, this person was going to prevail just because they had superior advantage and and a kind of indomitable will. I think that's true in both cards because I think um in Crowley's card he says something like it's the disorder of battle but overcome by the individual's effort or something like that's that. That's right. The idea that by dint of individual valor, a soldier's battle. Mm-hmm. Right, that you'll prevail over this um battle disorder or whatever. Yeah, if victory is to be won, it's all about the hero. <laughs> if there right. is a hero. Right. And uh and you know, I think that's that's kind of what's going on in uh in thirty six phases where uh Austin Kopic says that, you know, the the emblem he chooses for this is is the banner, which is, you know, sort of a ragged torn uh last ditch you know or the ramparts <laughs> yeah yep. we held the with bold, so valiantly the bold yeah. gambit at the, yeah <laughs> torn and shredded but nevertheless um 
illuminated by the raging fires of battle. Uh, yeah. So, you know, what I want to know, though, is so you look at Waits card and there's definitely um, a little bit of a message of being off balance there for two reasons. First, the first thing that comes to mind is how he's holding his wand at a diagonal. Mm hmm. And the diagonal is always an, uh, a symbol to me. The diagonal line is often a symbol, especially if it's in one direction like that, of being off balance. It can also be, um, as we've seen in other of his cards, the um, pointing to different sephira. Yes, I was going to say the same thing. Mm-hmm. I think so. If you look at, we've got Leo which is a horizontal path, and we've got the Tower, Mars, which is also a horizontal path. But if you look at those two horizontal paths, you know, Leo goes from, you know, uh, Gevora mm-hmm, to, to Hesed, Hesed mm-hmm. and then we've got the one below it, which is Hode and Netzach. Mm-hmm. So, but that diagonal path is between the five and the seven, which is Mars and Venus. Right. So there's a definite, to me, there's a definite Mars-Venus kind of battle going on yeah and you know what's so cool if you look at the seven of wands between the weight cards the tower and strength which are its two associated majors in those cards too there is a definite sort of um visual language from the upper left to the lower right you know that same diagonal from the five to the seven from mars to venus pointing towards netzach you can sort of see that that angle is you know, duplicated in both of those cards. And you see it again in Crowley's card in a in yeah, a weird way with yeah. the two symbols. Mars is up in the upper left and Leo is down in the lower right, creating a sort of off-balance diagonal there. That's right. And even also in the Lust card, you know, the way she's holding the sort of tongue of the lion, or is it the tongue of the lion that she's holding? I always thought it was. <laughs> or the <Maybe>. bridle. <laughs> but that's, you know, that cuts across in the same way. Yep. And then I look at the other thing that's kind of a mystery to me, but maybe it's me. Maybe maybe you can answer this. Um, to me, it says, OK, another indication of being off balance. But why is he wearing one moccasin and one boot? <laughs> I do know the answer to that. How do you should ask? <laughs> well, anyway, I know what the current theory of the answer is, which is um, given in um, Marcus Katz and Tali Goodwin's um, Secrets of the Waitsmith Tarot. The the thought is that this is a representation of Petruchio in The Taming of the Shrew. He, um, you know, which is such a such a very complex uh, play to to watch from the vantage point of being a modern person um, <laughs> these days. And, you know, the, the, the sexual dynamics are just really bizarre. But what Petruchio does in winning his sharp-tongued Catherine is he he does so kind of by just dissing her at every turn. Um, and what he does is he, um, he makes a deal with her dad to take her to wife because his dad says, you know, this shrew i can't marry her to anybody and he you know offers to to (laughs) take take her off his hands and he disrespects her by coming to the wedding dressed like you know he's a mess basically he's got the mismatched shoes he's got yeah let me just read this i have the passage right here it's kind of interesting um 
Petruchio is coming in, a new hat and an old jerkin, a pair of old breeches thrice turned, a pair of boots that have been candle cases, one buckled, another laced, uh, an old rusty sword, etc., etc., with a broken hilt. So, so it specifically says that he's wearing two different kinds of shoes, one buckled and one laced. If you look at Pamela Coleman Smith's illustration, you can see the loose uh, shoelace on his right shoe and the other one is a is a boot which is supposedly buckled i can't really see the buckle myself but yeah and and so this is meant to um convey that sort of disrespectful attitude and the willingness to be a real nonconformist right not to be socially acceptable fascinating yeah yeah it really is and he looks pissed too <laughs> <laughs> yeah he does actually he's got the leo hair though going oh, on yeah totally it? the leo hair that always looks like it's you know being blown by its own little fan exactly. <laughs> like a mane yes yeah that's true but as far as the colors in that card go i mean it's a lot of green that's a lot of venus there the there green. is yeah yeah and that's interesting because also, you know, if you look at the associated majors for that, for, you know, the, the weight strength and the weight tower, the weight strength is a bit Venusian, you know, a particular yeah. concept yep. of Venus, right? And, uh, and you can see how, you know, there's, I don't know, it just feels like there's a, there's an element of, Venusian trying to bend someone to your will through persuasion in there, but in, you know, filtered through this very martial solar sort of, you know, I still have to win mentality. Right. Um, as far as the Deccan imagery, it's, it's kind of curious because you have, um, well, the one in Agrippa, he says, you've got a, got a young man in whose hand is a whip and a very sad man of an ill aspect, almost as if the young man is driving the the older man. And to me, that's sort of, you know, um, a lot of these Deccan images remind me of sort of different parts of your own psyche, right? Rather, it's almost like it pers personifies different parts of your temperament. So it's as if, you know, you're driving yourself and you're miserable right, about right. it. Yeah. Past your limits. Yeah. yeah. That kind of reminds me of something. So one of the, um, if you look in 777 under the column for gods of the number seven, the seventh Sephira, Nike, uh, goddess of victory, which, so that would apply to all sevens. So, you know, sevens are always about the, you know, these difficulties to overcome in order to achieve victory. But I was, I was curious a little about, you know, Nike. So I started looking a little bit up about her history. And th what I thought was interesting is she has three sisters. Um, yeah. Zealous, who's zeal, Bia, <laughs> who's force. Kratos, who's strength, and then there's Nike, who's victory. And wow. of all the sevens, it seems like those four sisters are really apt for the seven of wands in particular. Yeah. Yeah. So zeal, force, zeal, strength, force, strength and, victory. and victory. Four sisters. Wow. That's really cool. Is there, did you try thinking about like 
could that work for the other sevens? I did. <laughs> I did give it brief, brief thought, but I came to the conclusion that it just really spoke to me about the seven of wands in particular. But I suppose you could probably make an argument for the others. You probably could. But still, that's really cool. I thought it was interesting. And Nike or Nike, she's a winged goddess, isn't she? Yeah, yes. That's interesting. Almost as if there's like a the desire to rise, to fly upwards, up towards the sixth. That sort right. of sense she's, of aspiration. You know, oftentimes seen on, you know, battle scenes, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that, that, um, that theme of, um, goddesses who have warrior qualities about them. Right. Yeah. Because even though this is the place of Venus, it's not just a place of, of sweet bejeweled Venus. <laughs> right. It's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. A combination of Venus, Mars, and Leo. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you think of Venus, you, you often think of the heart, but the heart is also associated in the body with Leo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about, when I think about this card, I think about, backbone you know having having the stamina and having a backbone and taking heart yeah and then i i kind of so i was like oh taking heart that's the leo and the venus part of it and but the Mm -hmm. backbone that's the mars in a Mm -hmm. sense even though the backbone is also associated with leo backbone is definitely martial if you think of it as the spine which is an anagram for penis (laughs) (laughs) yes true (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you know the backbone is the mars part of the equation so i see this card and i think you know it's time to take heart and you know grow a backbone <laughs> so there's the iron of mars and the gold of the sun and the copper of venus right so you right. have the the uh the, the 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 rigidness and and unbendingness of iron and you know and the radiance of gold but and the sort of flexibility flexibility and conductivity of copper or copper kind of, right yeah, all in one yeah that's really cool that is cool hmm. and another thing that um i read in 36 faces was about the association of this deccan with serapis is that the right oh yeah 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 so so and the idea that you know solar but also connected with osiris and the underworld so you know again this idea that there's an undying Lightning spirit star, yeah that passes, right. you know, through time to rise again. And the, that quality of timelessness and endurance that we see in Netzach uh, connected to that God, God figure as well. That makes sense. Why don't we, why don't we talk some about, you know, what's going on with your super cool tiger versus lion thing in um, Fabulous Yeah, Mundi? Yeah. So it's, um, you know, the battle of dragon versus tiger, which is a, martial arts concept where you know the dragon is the martial force the male force it's the blood force it's the sun rising in the east and it's the the yin within the yang so it's basically a yang force but it's the the little the little white dot inside the black black half you know mm-hmm. and then you've got the the tiger is the the exact balance of that which is the more the female force it's the the venus force mm-hmm. the chi the yang within the yin and it's the sun setting in the west so in martial arts it's interesting because the male force is said to have a soft attack or a soft 
where it's a circ it's more of a circular thing mm-hmm. we would think of that as being you know the feminine side but where the feminine side has the heart attack the hard attack <laughs> so you know the the hard attack is symbolized by a straight line where the soft attack is symbolized by a circle so one is you know defensive and one's offensive but they're both needed and then because one's yin within yang and one's yang within yin they both can flip-flop between each other to try to correct this balance in this dance so Mm-hmm. You know, it's the it's the battle between blood and chi. You know, it's when in, when you're in a defensive position, that's when courage becomes possible, and then you can you know rise to the challenge and and go on the offensive. Yeah, and that reminds me of the fact also that you know we're dealing with if we're dealing with lust or strength and the tower, we're dealing with two horizontal paths that there's that balance between force and form right. in both of them. So your card also reflects that sort of constantly borrowing yeah. from one, you know, exactly. um, within the That's other. That's exactly it. Yeah, and you can even see the way you have them positioned. It's almost as if one is on the side of yeah, force and, and they, one is they're on the able side to switch form. back. So I've kind of put the the uh, the dragon on the straight line, the offensive, he's, where the tiger is in the defensive position, where traditionally they're the other way around, because it's to show that yin within yang and yang within yin, where they can um, kind of switch as what the occasion calls for. So this card to me is all about finding a balance and, you know, rising to the occasion and bringing what's necessary to overcome you know, a defiance or resistance to overcome this imbalance, whatever imbalance is, you know? Right. So then there's right. the, there's also, there's this, uh, there's the da- diagonal path of kind of like the uphill battle, you know, not only are you being attacked from behind, mm-hmm. but you're trying to move your way uphill as well. And, um, you know, in the card, the dragon is from the tower card and the tiger is Sort of a big cat, like a form of, you know, the Leo card. And then uh, the tower in the background is another, you know, part of the tower. But it also shows that there's like there's a quest going on, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know what I think is so interesting about your choice of that particular tower? Oh, That's totally, a Rider yeah. Wade Smith tower. Oh, it to- you know, it's it totally not your own tower. <laughs> homage to uh, Pamela. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's sort of like, hey there. So it's the tower. uh, It's the tower from the tower, but also a little bit like the towers we see on the moon and the death cards as well. A little bit like that. I I just love the way, you know, it's got the same three windows with the flames coming out. Yeah. It's a nice little wave to to Wade Smith. And there's a little bit of um, the grass at the bottom of the card is a little bit of the Venusian venusian influence there um and it also helps bring in some of the color scales so when we when we talk about the color scales one of the colors of the tower is the bright red red azure or emerald and so wanted some emerald inside that bright red there and the burning grass seemed perfect for venus in this really fiery place yeah, and in your, um, I know you have a couple different versions of the lust card, but in you know the one I think the 
probably the original one. Uh, you've got, you know, kind of uh, flowers yeah. and grass at the base of the card. And then it's as yes, if they've been set exactly. by the tower. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. You want to talk a little bit about color? Yes. Yeah, so the uh, the color for the Sephira is amber. Mm-hmm. So that would be, you know, uh, Leo in Atsaluth. Mm-hmm. And right. Um, right. you see you see Amber in both my card and in Crowley's card, not so much in the other card, unless his tights count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether that's tights or flesh tone or what. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. They're ambery looking. So then the other colors are the colors of the um, two related trumps. So for Leo, we have a yellowish green or greenish yellow, actually, a deep purple or violet, a gray and a reddish yellow. So Leo goes all the way from the greenish spectrum of yellow to the reddish end of yellow and then has a, a gray and a purple as well. Um, and then the tower card are all those flaming reds the scarlet the red mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh venusian uh, not venusian um venetian Asian. red venetian mm-hmm. red and then the bright red raid emerald yeah it's, there's a lot of you know it's a really colorful um kind of set of correspondences yeah they're kind of clashing colors in a way <laughs> uh it was mm-hmm. they were they were really hard to work with but i, I kind of had to rise to the challenge <laughs> Yeah, and you can see that, you know, it's interesting if you look in the Thoth cards, you can kind of see something similar going on, although uh, they really brought out in the Seven of Wands, Thoth Seven of Wands, they really brought out the purple from yep. the uh, Less Strength card much more strongly than it appears even there. And you know what's interesting also about the color amber, I think, is, you know, amber is is electric, right? It's, um, you know, in fact, I think the Greek word for it was electron. Uh, and, you know, and it because it has those electric properties, and, you know, that just kind of yeah. reinforces to me that spiky, disruptive, you know, flames all over the place, you know, wired feeling of this card. And so you were talking earlier about the electrical conductivity of copper yeah it kind of reminded me of you know the qualities of amber because they're similar Mm -hmm. they have this kind of electric property to them Mm -hmm. you know amber is said to hold that a charge where copper conducts a charge right and the other thing is that both copper and amber are of venus so um in 777, I think it says about the color amber in one section, Crowley says something like it's the color of the golden color of the skin of women that are most enthusiastically consecrated to <laughs> Aphrodite. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And you know what else? Um, you know, what color does copper become when it's oxidized? Oh, green, right? Yeah, the color of Venus. So, yes. I mean, both of them. I love are. that patina color. It's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, you know, Statue of Liberty. Right, yeah. copper green. Yeah, in fact, somebody should do a Seven of Wands with a you know, Statue of Liberty on it. Somebody probably has. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> so, oh, funny anecdote about the Seven of Wands and the color green. So, um, so, um, so my son, who is uh, 17 years old, he is a huge football fan, and his favorite team is the Packers. So, um, a couple years ago, 
you know, I, I have zero interest in football and he has zero interest in tarot. So we're kind of perfectly <laughs> matched that way. And uh, a couple years ago, you know, he was about to watch a game and he's like, Mom, who do you think will win the game? And I was like, do I care? <laughs> no, not at all. And uh, but I was I was actually holding a tarot deck as as is so often the case. And I said, so you want to uh, you want to draw a card? <laughs> to see who's going to win. But and I said, okay, hold on, wait. So this is a hard question. So we need to kind of prime the pump. What will it look like if you choose a card that shows that they will win? And I was like, oh, gosh, I don't know. You know, I mean, this is this is pretty dumb. But um, but what what color are their jerseys? <laughs> he said, well, they're green. And I said, okay, so uh, if somebody's wearing something green, then we'll figure that when you pick the card, then we'll figure that they'll win. But the only card I can really think of that has the guy with the green shirt is the seven of wands. <laughs> and uh, so he, uh, I pulled out the cards and he picked one and it was the seven of wands. And they ah. won. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Tarot and sports, <laughs> not, not as far apart as you might think. If only you could pick me some lottery numbers. <laughs> If only it worked. And so, therefore, you know, in my mind, this card has always been just a little bit associated with football. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, It is Mars and it is Leo. And, you know, Mars does have that physical quality to it. Oh, definitely. Athletic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Warrior energy. Yeah. Yeah. Wanting to win. So when you get this card or when you when when people draw this card of yours, um, do you what do you expect them to be experiencing or to, you know, or to read into it? I would say that it's about overcoming imbalance mm-hmm. and to take heart and through daring, you know, express offensively from a defensive position. Yeah. You know, the, the rise to the challenge, take heart, beware loss of confidence, because it's through, you know, an individual's valor that, you know, the disorder and chaos can be overcome. Whatever the, the dominant force that you're facing, if you rise to that challenge, you can overcome. And just remember the whether to take a soft or a hard approach, whatever the situation calls you're going to have to figure that out and rise to the challenge. And it might be some of each. It might be the yin within the yang or the yang within the yin. But yeah. try to balance the situation, but rise. If if you're being attacked, then defend, but also go on the offensive, you know? Right. And hold forth under duress. Right. I love that, uh, the idea of conducting your offense from a def- from a defensive posture or vice versa. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when I was going through my records of what happened when I got this card, and I do seem to get it quite a lot, um, it had to do, a lot of them have to do with just pushing myself really hard. But it's also, I also got it for like going for very long walks, you know, um, really physical activity. I got with, for a lot of really pretty martial stuff, um, not just exercising, you know, getting outside and and uh, using the body, but also headaches, because uh, that's very martial for me, and like sharpening my knives. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which, you know, is completely uh, not something I realized was associated with this card, but apparently is for me. 
And uh, also, let's see, um, what else? I also found that I was getting it when I was doing tasks, you know, trying to problem solve things that are particularly difficult, like do solving a nasty little problem in Excel, you know, or coming up with a difficult formula to do a particular job uh, that I want it to do. Or um, I, I actually got it for, for being sick and working really hard through the mm-hmm. sickness. Pushing you know, which the makes body. A lot of sense, you know? Yep. Yeah. I had one arm that was, you know, in real pain one, one season, which, uh, which was associated with this card and it, which you can, on the weight card, you can kind of see that, you know, the sort of like, he's got this tortured position that he's holding his arms in. And you can imagine if you're straining against that, how that might cause some kind of uh, stress injury. It reminds me of uh, what you said to me when I was making the Babylon decks. Oh yeah. After you had listened to the Rune Soups podcast mm-hmm. and about how uh, the goddess has uh, low tolerance for oh, human yes. limitations yes, or something that's like right. that. That's right. Right. Oh my god, that just about killed you. Yeah, right. it did. Because I had pneumonia so then, and I was working really hard yeah. um, trying to get all these really complex little corsets laced up. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. right. And, you know, this this Deccan of Leo seems kind of appropriate for that goddess, doesn't it? Yes, with the seven, right? Yeah, with the seven, with the, Mm -hmm. yeah, the Venus, the seven, the Mars, Mm -hmm. the Leo. I mean, it's all there. Mm -hmm. It's all there. That's true. Um, Yeah, I mean, I remember when we were talking about the strength card, we were talking about Babylon as sort of, you know, those three paths, the Empress, lust and the tower venus and right. mars and her sort of being right there in the middle combining those those forces of desire and aggression all right well um i think we kind of did it can you think of anything else that we've missed no i think i think we got it yeah i think we did um okay so we talked about a huge number of themes in this card it's it's really a pretty big card uh we talked about the balance of force and form and having a little bit of one inside the other, as in the yin and the yang. Um, We talked about uh, Uh, victory through action and fighting for what you believe in. That's right. That's right. Uh, Persevering through time, doing things your own way, and the emphasis on the individual, really, Mm. both, both with sevens in general, and also the Seven of Wands in particular, I think. You know, Mr. Mismatched Shoes here. Right. Resistance. Yes. The defect inherent in the idea of Mars. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Patriotism is not enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the heart of the hero. The dragon versus the tiger. Yeah, it's kind of a David versus Goliath type of card, huh? Yeah, it really is. It really is. It's like against all odds. Um, uh, pushing yourself past your limits and past other people's expectations. Yeah. But that through that, you know, courage, you can overcome the difficulties. That's right. So it's really, you know, um, it's like you take the uh, that tension and pressure from the five and you resolve it in the seven you know, from what you've learned throughout the suit of Leo, five, six, and seven of wands. All right. So we wish you valor and courage for all of your own quests to all of you heroes of the astral plane. 
Thanks for hanging with us, and we'll see you next time with the Eight of Wands. <laughs>